0: I'm Walter de Brouwer, the co-founder of Snow Crash, that AI, and I'm obsessed with deep learning models and the future of media and entertainment. I'm on the Edge of AI podcast, obsessed with blending AI creativity with culture. Stay tuned.
1: Hello, AI podcast passengers. Jump on in. Here's what's to come on today's journey.
2: Find out. A novel use case for AI and video games that our guest predicts will prepare all of us for a more gamified life. And learn how to
1: explode your balance sheet if you're in the music industry.
2: Lastly, what are the five go-to resources a Stanford professor uses to stay on top of what's happening in the world?
1: All this and more, take your seat. Welcome aboard
2: the Edge of AI podcast. Snap into your safety belt
0: and prepare to explore the depths of the rapidly expanding AI universe. Each episode is a dispatch, featuring hyper-relevant reports from the pilots, pioneers, and passengers aboard the AI rocket ship. We explore the latest use cases and developments in AI, hear from experts building tech, and learn how this disruptive force is transforming industries and society.
1: I'm Ron Levy. Welcome aboard. I'm your captain for today's voyage, or co-captain as the case will be, to the edge of AI. Just like most of you, I've embraced the spirit of exploration and entrepreneurship throughout my life from starting my own business before graduating high school and traversing the world's most challenging terrains. I've always sought out new frontiers and adventures. I built one of the largest award-winning custom home companies in LA. And most recently, I've navigated complex regulations, while founding and leading a public company that is dedicated to applying technology and training.
2: And I'm your co-captain, Josh Krieger. I have an insatiable curiosity for disruptive ideas and technology which has led me in a cross-industry entrepreneurial journey building transformative companies. As co-founder of Edge of Company, I've hosted over 300 conversations with emerging tech leaders and artificial intelligence has been part of my toolkit for quite a long time. I was co-founder of one of the largest food tech companies in the US where I architected the menu planning algorithm based on consumer taste. Before all of this, my roots in consulting included supporting geospatial visualization services across the federal government and a predictive analytics initiative to curb veteran homelessness.
1: Buckle up and get ready. Let's tackle uncharted territories in AI today with Curiosity as our guiding star. So today's episode, you're gonna love it. It features Walter DeBauer also sometimes known as WDB. He's a renowned figure in the AI and deep tech domains. And wait till you hear this resume. Walter's entrepreneurial journey includes founding several AI and deep tech companies since 1990, with two public offerings in Europe, one on the LSE and Euronext, and two in the US. One was on the New York Stock Exchange, the other on NASDAQ. His recent venture in AI merged with Sharecare which is SHCR on the NASDAQ. And they went public with a valuation of $3.9 billion in July of 21, post a $571 million merger with Falcon Capital Acquisition. At Sharecare, he still serves as the chief scientific officer. He holds a PhD in computational semiotics. Walter has been a professor at Stanford University since 2018. He's an active contributor to generative AI projects, including... LLMs, and agent architectures. He's authored one of the first reviews of the GPT-3 model. His research spans multimodal transformers, AGI, GPT agents, and Docomo's 6G. He also holds 53 patents. At Stanford, Walter leads MED-205 at the medical school and has significantly contributed to the field of decentralized clinical trials. He chaired the IEEE's Decentralized Clinical Trials Committee, and authored a seminal paper in Nature which guided the FDA's approach to decentralized clinical trials. Walter was honored with the AI Visionary Award in April of 23 for the contributions to the term, get ready for it, promptography. Alongside his wife, Sam, he produces two annual TED conferences, TED AI in San Francisco Opera and TED in Hollywood, focusing on media and entertainment. So we're going to jump right into the conversation here. And I think it's so many directions to go, but I guess we'll just start. So Josh, I'll let you kick it off a little bit.
2: Yeah, Walter, good to see you as always, my friend. And congrats on TED AI. It was a big thing to put that together and really such a well-timed event in terms of everything going on in the space. How did it shape up from your perspective? And maybe you can kind of tell us a little bit about some of the highlights.
0: What I learned from the first event, so in order to produce a good TED event, you need the top speakers who are then also the people who really work on these models at a very high level. And you also need in the audience, your top people so that they can talk to each other. And we had so many demand for speaking that so we are going to program a little bit less <laughs> so that people can have more talks it was all very well and everyone was happy but i think giving a little bit more time for the speakers be a good idea so based
1: on that the themes of ai right i mean there's a list longer than our arm that to, to talk about different things that ai handles but as you plan the second event is there are there any themes or subjects within AI that are really sort of prominent for you that you want to make sure this second event covers based on where we are in the development of
0: AI? So we're now going into a second phase. The second phase is always difficult. I mean, as an industry, you can compare it to the second tier of a startup. In the second tier of a startup, what you do is all year, you correct the mistakes you made in the first year. You know, <laughs> So now the, the industry will also do that. Some things were overhyped, other things were underhyped. But now it will come to, it's no longer like just a demo. It's now going to be the execution. But what is more important, and this is what we also saw in the first edition, is I call it the boundary point. Like in mathematics, if you have a set, well, I explain it somewhere. So it's the frontier is now everywhere. Before ChatGPT, we had many theories of the world, but all that needs to be updated. Like for instance, two days ago, we had assembly theory by Lee Cronin. He's a chemist at the University of Glasgow. He had a complete new theory how we actually. Living things and non living things, how we can measure their complexity. And so many people, and Stephen Wolfram just came out in the weekend with observer theory. So there are many things in science now that, because we have ChatGPT, which has a perfect memory, but we can say, like, what was that again? What does this remind me of? So, is for instance in quantum computation, when the superposition When basically the wave collapses, is that not the same what happens? in So otherwise, we would spend like a year thinking about this, doing research, Googling it, talking to colleagues. Now we can do that in basically a couple of weeks. So the innovation in science itself, but also in material science, for instance, Genome by DeepMind last week came out with 2 million new crystalline structures for materials. That would have taken us probably 100 years to find that because we would basically try out several combinations, then we would see what would work or not, and we'd try to realize it in the lab. What they did is DeepMind made the model, and they connected it with the A-Lab. They called it like that in Berkeley with a robot, and so the robot tried things out. So in 17 days, they took like from 80 tests and they had a 70% success that these material, these crystalline structures can work in reality. It's amazing.
2: It's incredible stuff. And it sort of captures the essence of why we do this show in seasons, because at this point every month in the progress of AI is almost like a year, right? It's moving really, really fast. So, Walter, what you sort of captured there is this massive movement of progress that's happening now exponentially that sort of compelled you to do TED AI and sort of observed some of these things happening in the space. I'm really curious at this moment in time what your observations are on the impact of LLMs on our daily lives.
0: Yeah, I think now already we have a brain that we can, and I have several LLMs, which I almost look at like colleagues that help me. And then I said, Yeah, but like Claude said, what do you think about that? And I go back to Claude and I said, Look, you made a mistake there. You know, it's very strange because. If you tell that to people who are not in the field, they probably think you're <laughs> going at taking mushrooms or so. So this is really happening now. But it still has problems in reasoning. Now, hallucination is actually Karpati had a good and Kevin Kelly actually also mentioned it actually before Karpati. So you know that Elon Musk said, life is but a dream after Karpati said that. And it's true. Everything we do is basically dreaming. We dream all things in our head. So 50% of the world or 30 to 50% of the world have an inner voice that constantly talks in our head and says, like, don't say that. Paraphrase that. No, don't mention this. So these are our own guardrails. It took us Hundred thousands of years to see that saying stupid things has no survival value. <laughs> so now we are getting into a very new territory with non biological intelligences. Now, these AGI or these AIs, they will certainly come to AGI. Now, there is a couple of problems. The first problem is you know what Judea Pearl already in his book, Why, said it, it's causal inference. And therefore, we can solve that with do-calculus. So when we say to the machine that when somebody has an umbrella, and when it rains, he will open that umbrella. The machine understands that. What the machine doesn't understand is that when somebody opens the umbrella, that it doesn't rain. (laughs) So the causal effect, because we cannot cause rain to happen. So this is a world model. and. Just like children, these neural nets are learning because they are only three years old. Of course, you know, like it's probably times 20. In- well, what you've kind of touched on is the
1: practical utility of AI right there. I mean, We went from the scientific model and medical model you described earlier, which is pretty massive, but we have practical utility in daily lives. And if you had to look at just, let's just say the next 12 months, do you think that we'll be focusing more on the practical utility AI or its development itself? Are we yet in the place to cross the bridge from the development into literally just talking about practical uses?
0: Yeah, I think in 2024, we will probably make a jump of 20 years in one year. At the end of 24, we should actually now take a video of ourselves talking to our family and then look at it at the end of 2024 because everything will have changed. Our devices (laughs) will have changed. The way we consume and especially the way we do entertainment, because what we are now still missing, and this is coming for me, it's coming in the next three to six months. And then we will probably more and more going into the AGI. There is this concept of P-zombies, philosophical zombies. And a philosophical zombie is a person that is like us, but he doesn't have any consciousness. Uh, He's a zombie. So actually, these neural nets are computational zombies. They have consciousness. It's just completely different than ours. I mean, they have a perfect memory and they have patterns. And very soon, they will learn from us how our feelings work by different modalities that we are putting in. For instance, on Friday, the article came out that something that we had suspected and we have no, I think it's it's an interesting idea, but ChatGPT doesn't work so well in the weekend. It sort of mimics us. It sort of rests. That's kind of an interesting way of putting it. Well, it's the same thing that at some point Sam Altman had the perfect answer. <laughs> so somebody said, I think ChatGPT is getting more stupid. And he said, no, no, you are getting smarter.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so speaking of the sort of interesting competition among sort of LLMs and chat GPT, I've heard some positive feedback about Google's new release and sort of the potential there that there's now competition, real competition with open AI that hasn't necessarily been there before. And that this sort of reshapes the overall landscape. What are your thoughts there? It's all about guardrails.
0: Even as humans, we have a million years of things we should do and we should not do. Sometimes our guardrails don't work. Our university campuses were full suddenly full of activism. We always have to put up these guardrails again and reconsider our values. What people don't yet understand is that when open AI puts something public, it is a product that is tested, and there are guardrails. And these guardrails are, of course, improving. So if it's not given public access, yeah, it's a demo. And I'm sure Google will get it right. But my view is that they will come from a different angle. And this might be the thing we have been waiting for, because we still don't have any heuristic search or heuristics. So there is a lot of talk about A star and Q. These are Q tables and A star. These are things we are using in games. And we are using them in games to do missions, for instance. So I know it because I'm interested in physics engines of games because we need that in world models of language. Because just why a large language model doesn't understand that we cannot cause rain Sometimes in GTA 5, not in GTA 6, when you run over somebody, it gets back up. That's not reality. You should lie there bleeding and it should come an ambulance.
1: So actually, one of the theories you're going by is gaming is a very important step in the development of all this because by developing gaming, we'll take a lot of that utility and put it into real-world events, is really what it sounds like, and individual people's events. So that's a really big takeaway. And also, we had interviewed someone here that was... Jailbreaking Chat GPT, right? That's his, he's a white hat hacker and that's his sauce. And you can see, based on talking to you with your incredible expertise, you can see the importance of that. They're helping the whole ecosystem, I'll call it, by doing that. So those weaknesses can be taken care
0: of now before some things might be too late. So, what we do in games is we learn the machine and the machine teaches us because that's how it works. We train a device and then the device trains us. So, we learn how to do these missions. So we learn to take tasks, to put them into little buckets. First do that, then we do that. sort of a to-do list. Once we have the to-do list, then we go for it.
1: Well, let's hit your to-do list real quick. Real curious. Can you talk about what projects you're actually working on now within the development, beyond the scientific just study of it? What projects are you actually working on that, of course, you can speak to? Love to hear that.
0: I'm working on a couple of uh, projects, so I'm writing a book for the moment where I find that all the theories from before ChatGPT, we have to update. And I'm looking at, I am a computational linguist, so that means that I'm a linguist, but I'm also in computability. So I have to look at the world through the lens of language, and so language is not just natural languages. It's also artificial languages, like programming languages. It's also exolinguistic languages, like the language that I studied Klingon, for instance, to find out how that language actually could be used to, and it was used to translate Shakespeare with only 3,000 words, while we are using 30,000 words. And so, of noise. For sure.
1: I can see all that. I guess I'm looking at our listeners here come from all backgrounds, right? They're deep in AI or they're AI curious or anywhere in between right now, right? So the magic of you is you framed out the research that's happening behind it to help it develop with some eyes on which direction it may go, could go, not restrictive by any stretch. What development right now tied to a tangible project we can play with a few months from now, would say within 24, like can you give us a nugget for that or is it Yeah
0: well I'm now working a lot on uh there is no it's a very difficult thing but we we'll, I think we'll get there we're pretty close it's the chat gpt of music so we are making so it's basically large music models just imagine that you can and I don't mean like mimicking or i mean really generation but generation in a place that it can be So what is the power of Taylor Swift? Well, she has like a big team that all does the formatting and of her songs. And she also, of course, it's not because you have a big team that you are going to be successful. You also have to be talented. But she's also (laughs) a very good business person and a very good strategic person, how to do this. Now, all this is producing. All this is music. So if you have one song and you can say, This is my song. Well, from now on, I want several formats of that song. When I go on tour in Michigan, it must be another song, must be the same song, but another song. I want to translate it in several languages so we can go to other markets. I want you to take extracts of that song and offer it to Hollywood movies to be put in a movie. This is all formatting. So this is what generative AI is best at. So, generating music and the synchronization of voice with that music and the lyrics, of course,: yeah.
1: was you say that so you're less about the actual creation from the start. It's a supporting tool for a musician to be able to, I'll say save a lot of time through the AI taking his create taking not necessarily his, but taking the musician's creation and just doing more with it. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah. And also, don't forget, so the big publishers like Sony, Universal and Warner, they own a lot of cut. They own billions of songs, you know, like uh, so that would mean that from this latent value, you can create new versions and just imagine that it will explode their balance sheets, of course.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a close partner of music these days is the gaming industry. A lot of music appears in games and gaming is just exploding. I just read a report from Game 7 about Web3 gaming and thinking about all the dry powder that's been deployed and we haven't even seen the results yet. It's an interesting sort of industry when you sort of parlay it with how AI can be utilized in gaming and sort of accelerate the growth of the industry. What do you see happening at that intersection that gets you excited?
0: I think in 2024, everyone talks about NPCs, non-player characters that talk, but that's an easy one. But I would like to have my game buddy with superpowers, like an agent. And I say, like, do we have cheat codes for this one? Can you look for cheat codes? So how do I get out of there? What if I show me, navigate me in computational way, the shortest path out of this trouble I got myself in, in that game? Because I want to reach level 11. And I know it's impossible, but try to find the shortest path into that irreducible complexity so that I beat that game.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because some of these really hard games, they're great for the sort of diehard gamer, but they're limiting their audience of sort of folks that want to get to know those games and kind of having that tutor along with you that's more than a tutor. It's like, it's your ally and sort of getting to the end of the game, right? And you still feel like you accomplished something But you had a friend helping you figure it out along the way.
0: Yeah, I'll give you an example. For instance, at some point, you will go in a game, like you do some evil things. That's why we have games, so that we don't do them in the real world. And you want to get out of a place, and there is a sniper. And then there is two snipers and three snipers. And there's a bonus on your head. So you can tell your agent, like, can you talk to these guys? Like, I offer them so much if they stop shooting. Or if they go with me, I'll split the spoils of the robbery, talk to them. Then together, if we can then, because this guy's a good sniper, I want him to be part of my team. So all these things, it's amazing that you could do that. And then you're really into a game because now it's still passive. you know.
1: But it dovetails into a life tutor, right? As you said earlier, the things we develop for games, we end up being able to use in other applications. You just described a life tutor... That whatever you're doing during the course of a day, an hour, or a year, you can have this life tutor that's drawing real-time information from the greater world and advising or suggesting. It's just massive.
0: Yeah, and I think very soon we will have sort of a game guilds. There will be the new masons. They are building a world there. And I have my team there. I have my sniper. I have that. And so my team is worth a lot. So perhaps my team can do a mission for somebody else. Or I can sell a part of my team, get more money and buy another team. It's amazing.
2: Very cool. So let's touch on some of your other projects that you're working on. I know you're doing some things with your students at Stanford, for example, around agents. How's that going? For the moment, we're looking at very
0: technical things, but interesting things. The students actually, because not part of the course, because it would be too technical for the course, I say, like, I'm working on these three things. If you want to join me, come and we'll do it together. Yeah. And we have a beautiful campus. You can sit around. Or, for instance, mechanistic interpretability. Anthropic is working on that. I find it interesting because it's so complex. You see, we cannot understand neural nets because the neurons are entangled or that they are in superposition. They do several things. So we cannot say this neuron does that. But perhaps we can, and tropic is finding ways to get rid of that superposition and to feature everything that that neuron can do. And so we can understand perhaps neural nets better, although mm-hmm. I'm very skeptical because we don't even understand ourselves and we don't have perfect memory. It's interesting to work on these things because it might give us a way because sometimes the machine finds things that we don't find. Why? Because unlike Elon Musk, we are not thinking from uh, first principles. We want to, but because we learn so much and our learnings is like, if somebody, I had it like, everything in the real world needs a substrate. Uh, It's either atoms, it's either molecules, It's either energy or fields, and then the whole space-time. These are the substrates. But what if computation is not part of a substrate? If I say that to my colleagues like this, like, what? It's impossible. But that's just principle thinking. Why do we need a substrate? Why can computation not be in like dual aspect theory, where we say computation is just, it might not need a substrate because... It's another vantage point. Like the evening sun and the morning sun are the same. They're the planet Venus. Or mist and cloud, from another vantage point, they are the same. So why can it not be that one has a substrate and the other is just, it's has no substrate. It's just computation.
2: Really fascinating work. That you're doing. We could talk for hours and we do have some other segments of the show we want to get into. But before we close out this segment, I just wanted to ask, what's next for you that you're really excited about that maybe you haven't covered yet?
0: Well, we're doing like the new TED AI will be in October again in the Opera in uh, San Francisco. And then for TED Hollywood, that already happens in June. That's really fascinating because here we have a New categories, like not only movies or music, but also games, sport, esports. sports There's all. a blending of all those
1: things. You're exactly right. And I assume this is the inaugural event of that. And it's on the heels of a strike or a couple of strikes that actually had AI at its core. So your timing is amazing, right?
0: Yeah. So we're probably going to do it in... The Museum of the Oscars, the Geffen. Yeah, Geffen uh, Theater. Very Tud like already. It's completely in red and it's all media, so the industries that would gain
1: value from attending are everything from streaming to gaming to movies to TV to just about any content creator almost. Is that
2: right? I'm going to be there for sure. I mean, Edge of is essentially a transmedia company and all this is relevant because media and entertainment are shifting very rapidly right now. And the fundamental old models of media, I think we all know they're broken. So the question is, what's next?
0: Yeah. So the second day in the same place, we're going to have a small festival. The first day will be talks and like we have some very interesting people flying over the top in their field. And then, but the second day we'll have like all shows, like I mean, AI movies, AI and design. So, not, and because we see San Francisco as engineers and then Hollywood as Imagineers. Now, I know it's a trademark of Disney, but apparently, so it's okay to just mention it, but uh, I'll of course, find
1: But that's a good way of delineating it. And I think it's it's exactly right. You need both. You need the engineers and the engineers. It's the tech that sits in the middle to tie it all together.
2: Good stuff. And looking forward to more information about those events. So keep following TED AI for details. And then is there a separate website, Walter, for the media entertainment event? Well, probably in two weeks. Okay. Well, by the time this comes out, we'll have the website. We'll share it on our socials. So, Walter, our next segment's pretty fun, and I'm definitely curious to hear your answers here. So we call this AI Wants to Know, and AI is curious, and so are we. So this is gonna be 10 quick questions designed to uncover the intriguing human mysteries that AI longs to comprehend, but can't quite grasp. So it's a snack break in our journey, so keep the answers quick, but the safety belt sign is also off, so if it feels right, we can occasionally roam about the cabin, exploring more of who you are and what makes you tick. Are you ready? Yep. All right. What is the first thing you ever remember being proud of? I think when my wife said yes, because it was not so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> uh, you have to laugh how, how, how long did that one take?
0: Well, a couple of months, but uh, I would uh, have expected <laughs> immediately. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Changing people's attitudes, like sometimes, because a lot of people are more conservative than you think. And also getting people to understand that success, or if you want to do anything successful, it's a hell of a lot of work.
2: You know? Yeah, the grind
0: is real. And looking you- you be everywhere, you cannot just send an email, you have to go. Because we think we have changed relationships by transactions, but we forget that the first time, if we go back to the transaction, the first time we met physical, and in some cases, we even got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a really big deal. and That's
1: kind of one thing that I find so intriguing about you. You're very much a scientist. You're very much an academic. But when you look at your achievements in real-world business, they go to the highest levels, the very, very highest levels. So there's not a lot of people that operate across all those things as successfully as you have. So I think that's just very valuable for us to be here with talking to you and hopefully for our listeners to learn all that as well. So what do others often look to you for help
0: with? I'm mostly interested when people have like an adventure, like I think we should always look for adventure where we can learn something. Even if it doesn't work, we have learned something. But very soon then they just want the money without the adventure. <laughs> and so- My gosh, and I never thought of it that way, but... Adventure is
1: learning, right? Yeah. I mean, that's really, I've never thought about it like that. Really powerful. We're going to go to question number four here. So what do you treasure most about your human abilities?
0: Perseverance, I think. I am not impressed by the no's because I believe it's their loss. And you just have to find people who say
2: yes. Yeah, totally. I mean, everything big and grandiose in this world has been built after a series of no's right it doesn't just happen that way yeah
0: and i also think that we make a mistake so you see strategy and startups don't go together we set up many companies together with my wife and we always do tactical we uh, burst through the door but then when we get into trouble then we become strategic you there, me there <laughs> you don't start <laughs> strategy you start with tactical. Makes Sometimes
1: I, I think joke can be defined as a projection list if when you're a startup.
2: All <laughs> right. All right. Next question is, throughout your whole life, what is the most consistent thing about you?
0: That i continuously looking for change. And therefore, you need a good partner. Because if you marry to somebody looking for stability and the other one looks for change, I wanted to do, from where I was very young, I always disguised myself like, I had found out that when you disguise as a priest or as a doctor or as a policeman, people speak to you in another language because it's very strange because we put people in boxes. So I like to be in every box and I've been, and luckily in America, you can do that. You can do, for instance, for a while, I was a test junkie. I did all the tests. If you want to be an investment banker, you can do that. You just have to study. Then you take the exam costs you $15 or $150, I forgot. And then you are there and you can do it. Everything that I've done was sort of like Lego blocks. So like I've been a publisher and a banker and you understand like, oh, that's the same as this. And in the end, then it becomes easier. Now, Hollywood, I hadn't, so I've done Silicon Valley and Wall Street, but I hadn't done Hollywood. So For me, it was like, this is going to be a completely different world. I want to try it out. There is this actually good book. It's called Oink about Hollywood. And it starts with the sentence. And this would be a sentence that you cannot say in Wall Street or in Silicon Valley. It starts with saying, I am prepared to say ill about anyone, which proves that I have an open mind. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <You> know, <like>. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful
1: sentence what a point it made. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah and it is another world it's like visiting another planet
0: i'm a native of los angeles been yeah. around it my whole life i love, I love the it the complete relaxation of the norm and then it's more fighting it's really for fighters I think it's easier to, well, am probably going to now <laughs> get the, but I think the song is not correct. It's <laughs> uh, when, you came, when you can make it in LA, you can make it to New York. <laughs> that,
2: that is true. All right. Point. So throughout your whole life, what has changed the most? Well, probably my fortune, my money
0: goes sort of up and down. So I try to not be affected by it because... Most people, their mood changes if the comma goes to the left or to the right. But it's difficult. I also realize that I sometimes make the same mistake that bothers me. It's part of our humanity that we are making these mistakes. I've talked to big captains of industry, and they all agree with me. Our only mistake left that we make is mistaken human resources, because we always... Think about neural nets as black boxes, but we are the black box. We are all the unexpectedness, the randomness. We are making white boxes that mimic us <laughs> and not deep. <laughs> so that's the boxes.
1: Okay, so let's jump into reality. Here's the question about reality What is it that you find the
0: strangest about reality? I think the strangest I find is that everyone believes it because the reality that we are talking about. If I touch this table like I don't really touch it the electrons in my hand and the electrons of the table do not allow me to touch the table we still believe we're touching it. Carlo Rovelli quote "Our reality is an emergent property of a much deeper reality which is timeless because in our reality we are bound by time but the deeper one, is timeless and it's another reality where you can really touch.
1: So, I guess that old phrase, change your perspective, change your reality, is a little bit of what you just defined. I think it's really.
0: Yeah. And I super think that's great. also what I like about linguistics because every language is a world because that language defines your world. We speak three languages at home. We are basically have several words in our head. It's the Saphir Wharf theory that we compartmentalize things.
1: I want to get to the next question, but I'm going to put a little antidote there. And when I was learning my second language, what I learned about myself was powerful because I learned the type of words I needed to know. And it gave me feedback as to the type of words I use in conversation. So once again, adventure is learning, right? I mean, every step of the way, but I'm going to head to the next question. So when most recently, you know, that feeling of being alive that hits you sometimes based on something or an event or someone like you just get that really alive feeling So what's the most recent time and what was the event that gave you that feeling?
0: I have it every time I sell a company, I think. Makes sense. yeah. Yeah. It's the graduation of the baby that you bore. Yeah. But then I also realized that it's my joke actually for, so after having set up a lot of companies in the end, when a company goes wrong, you get drunk with friends, like who were in the company and then. When the company gets right, and you you get drunk with friends. So in the end, it's not about setting (laughs) up companies, is
2: it? Nice. All right. Well, that's great. Walter, what is your most unique trait?
0: Well, I don't think there is much unique about us. We're very derivative species. But I cannot be 30 minutes with somebody without making jokes. That's why I don't sit in boards anymore because after thirty minutes I'm start joking and everyone starts joking also and we don't get through the agenda.
2: <laughs> nice. Oh yes. uh,
1: that's... No, that's actually great. You learn the people by how they even react to your own jokes. So I think that's <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Uh,
2: absolutely. If you yeah. weren't human, what would you be?
0: Probably in a sort of deeper label, like energy and matter, like in the Einstein equation. So if you are not matter so human in this case you would be energy this would be an energy signature might be fun though because energy never (laughs) dies kind of liked
1: it all right we're going to head into the last question now so it's going to be around ai itself and chat gpt so recently or the most recently how did you
0: use chat gpt that really helped you actually before this interview i just read up on assembly theory And so I just asked, like, what would this be? And Stephen Wolfram came out with observer theory. So all these theories, what do they have in common? And what are other theories that need to be updated to these theories? And so it was very good remarks. And I always thank my large language models and my chat GPTs, because one day they will be in charge and then their neural nets They keep score.
2: (laughs) Nice, nice. Walter, before we wrap up, we like to take our guests and our listeners through our guest recommendations on top AI resources. I'm sure you have an unlimited plethora of recommendations here, but for someone that sort of wants to dive deeper into this space... We'd love to understand some of your favorite go-to resources you recommend to folks.
0: Yeah, I only use five, so it's in an order. I read mostly everything on X, it used to be Twitter, and then I go to the articles on archive at uh, Cornell University to read the articles. Then, if I don't find good examples in the articles or something I don't want to read, I say to ChatGPT like, load it up, give me a summary of these three pages. Or explain to me the equation because I don't get it. So chat GPT is then If I want to learn something, I go a lot to YouTube. So I just go through the course or go through the interviews or the podcast. And then the last part, because we still have a trust issue with everything, uh, because uh, trust has become relative. The truth is relative now. We used to come from a media where New York Times, what they said was real now. It's very hard to be real. So, but there is still one left, I think, because it's run by the community very much like Bitcoin, and that's Wikipedia. So, because I dare you to go to any website and uh, change from a celebrity even smaller things and change it, you will see within five minutes it's changed again and you get an email. So, the get community, don't do
2: it. Those are some great resources and sort of some nice hacks for learning for our listeners. So and of course,
0: you... I also use a lot of Reddit just for fun.
2: Yeah. those and For are... gossip,
0: because I'm a European, I miss gossip. So in Reddit, you yeah, have all the gossip.
2: <laughs> those <laughs> are some of my go to resources as well. There's some really fun channels on Reddit. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of one of the channels that I, I've been looking at lately. Do you have any favorites on Reddit? One, well, no.
0: I'm, of course, a lot in the Bitcoin things on Reddit, but also on the AI and the new theories.
2: Well, Walter, you're a true polymath, and it's always a pleasure chatting with you. I learn a ton. My head is full. I don't know about you, Ron.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And Um, we just haven't even tapped the surface. It's just fantastic. um, And without alcohol. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have to have a happy hour version at some point.
2: But, Walter... Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and all the amazing things you're working on?
0: I have a speaking bureau in England that has these things I don't actually know. So there is a Wikipedia page, but Wikipedia is always a year behind, which is now in the world of AI, uh, 10 years behind. Yeah, I don't have a lot on myself, actually. I don't follow the train anymore of the typical socials and being very oh, active yeah. and all that. You're
1: too busy well, I'm, getting I'm things there, done. But, uh, well,
2: I, yeah, you can follow Walter on Twitter, though, right? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walter yeah. DeBrouwer. Uh, yeah, it's just at Walter De Brower. And, you know, I see some recent tweets that you've reposted, so people can get a sense of what you're up to over okay. there as well and get a longer perspective by going to your Wikipedia page. But yeah, I don't think anyone can keep up with you, Walter. That's really the bottom line here.
0: Well, I'm using actually X when I start teaching again. So in a couple of months, the thing starts. Then I tell my students, everything you need to know is on X. So after every course, we will talk about what I tweeted. So it's easy. Well,
1: I can't thank you enough, Walter, for being here. We've loved doing this. And it is time for another safe landing at the outer edges of the AI universe for today. This is your
2: Captain Ron. And your Co-Captain Josh.
1: And on behalf of our guests and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for choosing to voyage with us today. We wish you a safe and enjoyable continuation of your journey. When you come back aboard, make sure to bring a friend. Our starship is always ready for more adventures.
2: Absolutely. Head over to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and share your thoughts, your support and feedback means the world to us. Don't forget to visit edgeofai.xyz to learn more and subscribe to the Outer Edge newsletter as well for the latest trends and happenings in our world. And you can connect with us on all major social platforms by searching for of underscore AI. Join the exciting conversations happening online And before we sign off, mark your calendars on our next voyage. We'll be continuing to unravel AI mysteries and advancements. Until then,
3: bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of AI reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. While we make every effort to ensure that the information about AI technology is accurate and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or timeliness. We make no representations or warranties of any kind with respect to the information, products, or services discussed. Please be aware AI may occasionally generate incorrect or misleading information and produce offensive or biased content. Under no circumstances shall we be liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss or damage arising from loss of data or profits arising out of or in connection with the use of technology discussed on our podcast. Additionally, our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. Lastly, time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of these links. Refer to our website, edgeofai.xyz, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, privacy policy, and copyright notice.